Constantine Campion is back with another brooding masterpiece. Today I'm talking about the power of the dog. This is Scott's Unindulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I'm talking about The Power of the Dog, which is the most recent movie from acclaimed director Jane Campion, and also a early awards contender uh, for, for acting, including Benedict Cumberbatch's performance, probably a Best Picture nomination in there somewhere, and beyond. So I thought it was very good, and I wanted to talk about why. So without further ado, let's get started. One of the very first classy arthouse mov- movies I ever saw was The Piano, a lyrical drama about the romantic, sexual, and personal awakening of a put-upon mute housewife who begins an affair with a gruff but affectionate sailor. It's a movie that won both leading ladies, a stellar Holly Hunter, and a young Anna Paquin Oscar wins, and cemented its director Jane Campion as a world-renowned talent. It's a wallop of a movie whose approach to sex and sexuality is overwhelmed by the sea of emotion literally left unsaid. However, Campion's work, despite maintaining a similar style and theme, hasn't reached the same level of acclaim, until her recent release about a domineering cowboy, The Power of the Dog. Benedict Cumberbatch stars as Phil Burbank, a rough rancher who enjoys a cushy life of cattle driving and picking on his younger brother George. But when George takes up with and marries a local innkeeper, Rose, with a teenage son, Phil begins a not-so-subtle war against the woman and her son's psyche. The Power of the Dog is a great movie, but not just because of its themes, its acting, the score, and how well it captures pieces of its moment, but also because it's a perfect match for Jane Campion. While she's made modern films, Campion is a perfect fit for period pieces, not just because of her preference for natural lighting and a combination of broad and intimate shots, deftly switching between cinematic splendor and emotive scenarios, but also because period pieces are suited for a bunch of people not quite saying what they're thinking. Almost no one in this movie addresses problems outright. It's all in the edges of the language or the line delivery. When Rose enters a room where her new servants are having a conversation and tells them to continue as they were, you can feel how awkward it is for everyone involved, and they clearly pick up not as they were before. No one feels comfortable in this movie. It makes the tension amplified by Johnny Greenwood's score almost unbearable. It's what can make a piano practice session feel like active torture. Which brings us to Phil because Phil is a wrecking ball in every scene. Phil isn't a character who oozes malice, but his force of personality and harsh approach is inescapable. He's introduced by calling his brother Fatso and making fun of Rose's son for being effeminate, and he can get away with it because he's so good at his job and playing the part. He's toxic masculinity personified, whether it's how he talks in challenges or how he views any encroachment into his territory as a violation, which includes George's marriage. Of course, this is also a great way to push down your real feelings, which Phil is clearly doing. Cumberbatch handles this character so well, whether he's leering or judging from afar or getting in someone's face. There's real vulnerability in his eyes that no one seems to particularly see because he walks and talks like he's king shit everywhere he goes. 
Having known a few guys like this, Cumberbatch handles him without drowning in parody of a guy trying too hard. But as the film progresses, we see why this kind of masculinity is bad for everybody. It's bad for Rose because she feels like she's constantly being watched and judged and looks to other means to handle the stress. It's bad for Rose's son Peter, even as film warms to him because his mother is being broken from afar and it brings out terrible things within him. And it's bad for George because we know how much this relationship to Rose means to him, thanks to a very touching scene early on. All of these dynamics are aided by the top-notch cast, who all match their types to a T. Real-life married couple Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons have good chemistry, as Rose and George, and are strong in their individual scenes, Dunst in her breakdowns and Plemons in his soft-spoken confrontations. Though one performance going under the radar, at least in my opinion, is Cody Smith-McPhee. Smith-McPhee has played a lot of roles like this, but this gives him a chance to subtly branch out. At first glance, we're meant to think he's weak, and exactly as unmanly as Phil thinks he is. But the more we learn about him, the more we discover how strong and smart he is. The dual slow burn between him becoming darker and Cumberbatch becoming lighter is fantastic. Saying too much more gets us into spoiler territory, but even if you predict where this movie is going, it feels bigger and different than a bunch of movies like it. The verdict is, it's beautiful. Lyric and tense, The Power of the Dog is a beautiful adaptation of tough source material. 8 out of 10. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.